Any disciple who develops resiliency does so by clearing religious and secular clutter. And may I remind you that religious clutter and secular clutter are equally present today. If you need to see secularism as a religion, and if you do, you will understand that it has a statement of faith. But any disciple who develops resiliency does so by clearing religious clutter and secular clutter to abide and then walk in love with Jesus. And Pastor Barry brilliantly taught last week how this starts by all of us trusting when it comes to love, God always goes first. First John, one of Jesus' disciples who walked with him said this, that we love not only because he first loved us. In other words, it's not our idea. It's not our ideal. It's not what we just figured out one day that the only way you and I have the capacity to love is because we are created in the image and likeness of the one who is love. It doesn't originate with us. It's not us dictating to God what love is. It is God telling us what love should be all about. And so we from love, we love because he first loved us. And so from God who always goes first then, the question I want to rest on today is, what is his expectation of me and you and us? What is his expectation from a God who always goes first? What is his expectation of us in towards, for our love expressed towards him? Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, Jesus clarified this expectation. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is this, you shall love the, the sorry, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is this, you shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. So loving God with our heart, soul, and mind is the essence of the first commandment that God gave to Moses, which the question then should be, what's the first commandment that God gave to Moses? Because he gave him 10. What's the first one? It's the pop quiz. Don't say it out loud. Think it in your head. And if you don't know the answer, you're new in church, I'll give it to you right now. This is an open book test. Exodus chapter 3 verse 20 says, you shall have no other gods before me. In fact, you cannot break any of the other nine commandments without first breaking this one. You break this one, the rest are just fair game. You shall have no other gods before me. This is what Jesus said is referencing in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Having no other gods before God is how we love God with our heart and soul and mind. This is how we do it. So loving God is a feeling, but it's also an action. It is a holy place of priority that we engage with in our lives, our day-to-day -day lives. And here's all I know, that any place where you have priorities, you have warfare. Any place you have priorities, you have warfare. Listen, for some of you, warfare does not look like confronting against in the way that you think. It simply looks like dropping God down your priority list. The enemy doesn't have to shipwreck your, shipwreck your life and your faith in a moment. He can do it a degree at a time. He is that unloving and that uncaring. 
Lori and I recently had the privilege of being in Calgary, Alberta, which, by the way, if you look in one direction, is quite beautiful. If you look in any other direction, you've oversold its beauty. But we had the beautiful opportunity to be in Calgary at the One Conference led by Rob and Lois Warren, who attend our church. And it was a tremendous privilege. And one of the faculty who was there speaking, Dominic Russo, who leads a church in Montreal called the 180, he mentioned this. He mentioned that we in the church, his words, not mine, if you disagree, you can email him. <laughs> but he mentioned that we in the church through the 70s and 80s were taught almost to prepare for a culture that was growing in atheist or agnostic ways. But what we actually were met with was something far more insidious. And one of the things that secularism just begins to do in order to replace or remove God is simply introduce choice alongside of God. Like I remember, I am 49 years old, and I remember a day in Canada that all the malls were closed on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> and that doesn't make Sunday holy at all, because you could do whatever you want and just be on self. That's not the issue. But the issue is you introduce choice, and you don't have to come against the church, you just begin to drain the church. I remember a day when sporting activities for kids didn't take place on Sundays, and now they do. So you just have choice alongside of it. And some of you right now are going, yeah, but that's not necessarily bad. And let me remind you, loved ones, the enemy, you can quickly, you can equally become lost by bad things and good things that are not God. By worshiping created things that are good, that they're not God. God created the world that is good, but it is not all him. He is different from his creation. Created in, yes, but different from. And so you can see this in the church world today, that we just have choice and we have a new one. And it's not bad. It's in person or online. It is connecting this way or this way. And it's not bad. It's just a continuation of offering choice alongside that forms us and equally sometimes deforms us. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? This is the God of the Old Testament. So when the God of the Old Testament showed up in the New Testament, is it any wonder why he said the same thing? Same God. A lot of the issues that come up today in our world and culture when you hear this, yeah, well, Jesus never said that. You cannot separate Jesus from God because then we're no longer talking about the issue. We're talking now about the deity of who God is. All man is wise in their own eyes, but so foolish. We are so foolishly led astray by nonsense. Well, Jesus never said, if God said it, it's Jesus. He's not different. Same. One God. Three persons. Now, I'm unsure if you have noticed anything, but I've intentionally omitted a single word, a three-letter word in everything that we have taught so far today. And it comes in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, where Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all, is the word I left out. So understanding it is key to embracing God's loving expectation of our expression of love to him. 
And let's be really clear, his expectation is all. What does that mean? And I don't mean like, let's dance around the word in such a way to create confusion. I don't want to do that. I want to actually help create clarity. What does it mean? All means whole. All means throughout. I'll give you... I'll give you one of my life examples, and I use this not to elevate my life example. Whether you are single or you are married is a beautiful thing in God's sight. The goal is not to be single or married or that's not any better or whatever. Jesus wasn't married. I don't say it flippantly. It may be the desire of your heart, but I don't use an example to be like, hey, this is the better way. I'm not saying that, but here's all I'm saying is I, I stood at an altar, and I confessed a vow and a covenant. I made a covenant with one woman. Now here, I have a confession. I do not think about this woman all the time. And I promise you, I promise you, she does not think about me all the time. So all doesn't mean I go through life like Lori, 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 Lori. If I do, loved ones, that's called idolatry. But what this covenant means is not that my all is like obsessed. It is that my all is not divided ever. So where lust creeps in, it is the temptation to follow another Affection that excludes my covenant. And this is the picture of equal but different that God gives the church of the way in which Jesus, the bridegroom, loves the bride. And so all is not the same thing as like I can't have any other interests in my life other than this. That's not what it is. The earth is the Lord, Psalm 24, and the fullness thereof. It's not saying that. Nor is all the same thing as winning or perfection. Here's all I know. Some of your all is more than other people's all. Sometimes my worship on a Sunday morning in a season is loud voice, hands stretched out, full attention and affection and hooting and hollering, and sometimes I move my foot. And some Sundays, it is barely making it through the door, not believing a word that we're singing but saying to my heart, Lord, would you let not my heart dictate this? Father, everything, my all is here. It is less in this season, but it is fully with you. Amen. We can destroy one another in the differences of our all. Or we can love one another well. See, all is not the same thing as winning or perfection. It is rightly ordered affections that in a life that is walking in willing surrender and submission and trusting Jesus as Savior and, next one, Lord. 
in all things. And so when it comes to the place of God in our hearts, all just simply leaves no room for another. I also want you to notice that all isn't how Jesus said we are to love one another. He said we're to love one another as we love ourselves, but our love for God is to be unique. It is all. It's different. Again, all is the identical heart from the first commandment God gave to Moses. You shall have no other gods before me. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So does all mean all the time? Well, I just answered that with an illustration. But I would rather read from the Word how Jesus addresses it. This story that we're about to read is all of our autobiography, by the way. Let's just be honest. We just need to settle. This is our autobiography. The specifics are different. Yes. But the autobiography is identical. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Pay attention here. Watch which, uh, that came out rude, by the way. And they're like, hey, pay attention here to me. No, pay attention to the scriptures is what I was saying. Pay attention to the one commandment that Jesus leaves out. The first one. Watch. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to them, ah, teacher, all. See that word again? All. All these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, and what did Pastor Barry teach last week? Love always goes first. Whenever God brings something that is corrective or convicting to our hearts, you can always trust that the motive is love. Whenever I bring something convicting to your heart, do not trust that my motive is always love. Not from a, not, not from a humorous place, but because I'm imperfect like you. We don't always love one another the way only God loves us. We struggle to love one another as we love ourselves. And so our motive is not always God's motive. And sometimes clearing the religious clutter is clearing that away from how God loves us. Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth, and Jesus looking at him, loved him enough to say to him, you lack one thing. Watch what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And Jesus correctly identifies for this individual the one thing that was before and above his love for God. And he goes there from love and he says, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. It is this remarkable invitation because if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you will see person after person, story after story of people who Jesus heals or he ministers and they beg him to be part of that, like not, maybe not the 12, but maybe like the 72, kind of like in that inner circle. And he says, no, you go back and show yourself to the priest. No, you go back and give testimony to your own house. No, you go back to your own village. But here he says the same words that he says to the 12. Like, you, follow me to this rich young ruler Jesus says to him, sell all that you have. It's the same God in the New Testament, or the Old Testament, excuse me, sometimes that we get caught in the brutality of it, but the same God who moved in and said, some things cannot be kept alive because they will destroy you, so they all need to be destroyed. 
It wasn't because God didn't love, it's because he did. Again, we get caught in the brutality and we get offended at God looking at a different culture, a different season, a different time, and a different progressive revelation of who God is. We can get offended over here, but it's the same heart. God comes to me and he comes to you and from love sometimes identifies the thing that is above and before who he is. The Bible doesn't say give God all your money. It says, steward all of it, but bring the whole tithe. And some can't because they don't believe, and others can't because you have other lords leading your finances and not the one true God. And this is what happened to this rich young ruler. And it says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. God is not anti-possessions, but when your possessions possess you, I'm not being joking or I'm not making a joke here, that is equally a possession. Materialism is a God that is quite powerful. What did Jesus do just in this story? He did not demean all the other commandments. What did he go to? Yahweh is not your God. And so if you're going to follow me, you have to dethrone that God. Because our God is not insecure and jealous, but he is holy and he will not share worship with another. Why? Because created things are not worthy of our worship. They're not worthy of your worship or mine. So for you, it may be your possessions. For some of you, it's your politics. For some of you, it may be your sexuality. For others of you, it's your religion. The Ten Commandments, by the time Jesus showed up, had become the 613 commandments. Okay? 613 commandments. Do you know what the spirit of the Pharisee was? Do you know what the heart of the Pharisee was? They weren't terrible people. They simply believed if everybody could just live and keep these 613 commandments that they would see the kingdom of God. They were so locked into religion that when the kingdom showed up and the person of Jesus, they didn't recognize them. Loved ones, would we in the church fall prey to the same issue? That if the Holy Spirit shows up in a different political party, would we recognize the moving of the Spirit? We're not even at the hard stuff yet. Come on. Like what happens when revival genuinely hits and the lost are the lost of the lost, the confused of the confused of the confused who have lived their life one way, surrender and give their lives to Jesus. Oh, the church is going to be a mess. And will we love them with the way and the patience have God has loved us? We cry out for revival, but sometimes for God to bring revival first, he must prune his church because the harvest that would come in, we would destroy. We're praying for a move of God, but I promise you, God is moving. And not just in Kentucky, though I pray that multiplies like wildfire. But I promise you, if the church in Canada does not deal with its idolatry, 
He will remove lampstands. He's that good and loving. He'll do it if we have wrong ordered affections. Not often God rains down sulfur and fire and judgment. Do you know the other type of judgment that terrifies me? Is what we're seeing. He just gives us over to what we love that is not him. And that is just as much as judgment. So that we in the church can no longer decipher what is right or wrong. I'm not talking theory. I'm talking what we're all walking through right now. A church that talks about God without a fear of God. A holy reverence for who he is. And I'm not saying it's a you issue. It's a me issue. I had the Lord speak to me about one of my hobbies. I do love these Ottawa senators. They're terrible, but I love them. And the Lord spoke to my heart that they had taken up too much affection in my life. And my first response was, no. No. The Lord spoke to Lori and I about our before bed routine. He just tried to reorder our affections. And I wish I could tell you that our first response was like, yes, no, no. Thank you kindly. Friends let friends not in church. <laughs> the Lord spoke and convicted me of my tongue. And the first thing I did in response was used my words rather than submit and surrender to his. I am not in this area saying, hey, this. I am saying, would we all come to Jesus? Would we all follow Jesus and surrender in afresh? We just sang a song like, all to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. That worship song would be terrible if it was honest. I surrender what is convenient. Or I surrender some. What does worship do? It doesn't lower the bar. It calls us higher. It says where you are. It's not that it's not enough. There's nothing in my language that is from the spirit of not enough. God knows we're not enough. It's why he came. I want you to think of the story of the rich young ruler before we finish with one other story in the book of Acts. Think of the rich young ruler. Here he is standing in front of the God of heaven. Jesus is not asking the rich young ruler to do anything that he didn't already do. Love always goes first. Jesus left heaven and came to earth. Who made the greater sacrifice? Jesus again is saying, follow my example, follow me. And he touches on the one thing that this guy had before God. And watch the next part he says. What does Jesus say? Jesus actually says to him, your following me fully is a solution to a cultural problem. Take all of your possessions that are much, right order your affection towards me, and then give to those who are in need and be a blessing. 
Some of the problems we have in the world today is because we, as followers of Jesus, have closed fists rather than open. I'm not saying we're the Savior. We never are. But our obedience matters to real people's lives. In Mark 10, rich young ruler story, he loved his possessions more and before God. And because of this, he doesn't follow Jesus and his life stayed in the direction of his affections, not, not his priorities, his affections. Those ordered his priorities. Self over God, self over others, self over salvation, self over following Jesus. And we place our love for God before when we uncomfortably focus on our following. You see, the opposite to Mark chapter 10 is actually found in Acts chapter 2, which a prophet by the name of Joel said, this is what it looks like when God's Spirit is poured out upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters, your old men and your older women. It's Abraham, it's Isaac, it's Jacob, it's every generation. This is what begins to happen when the Spirit of God begins to move in a generation, and it is the antithesis story to Mark chapter 10. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all, everyone say, all. All who believed were together. And it says that they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, not greedy hearts, generous hearts, praising God, not praising one another, not glorifying men, not glorifying women, not glorifying churches, praising God and having favor with all the people. And because God saw a people that were surrendered and humble and open-handed, you know what he did? He entrusted them with other people, the most precious thing on the planet. And it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We love to live in gray. The Bible doesn't. It is light or it is dark. It is you are saved or you are lost. It is not a place of neutrality. It is a place of contestion. What happened in Acts 2 that was different from Mark 10? They uncomfortably focused on following Jesus. And they followed Jesus with their all by placing Jesus before all else. I heard a young preacher, of which I'm not, by the way, anymore. I'm middle-aged. I am beautifully middle-aged. I'm not a kid. And I heard a young preacher remark that how Acts 2 is similar to socialism. Can I tell you worship is no-ism? Hey, I'm not pro-capitalism. I'm not talking about capitalism or socialism. All I'm simply saying is if you look at Acts 2 and you see that, you need to repent of your political perspective and you need to see the kingdom of God before the kingdoms of this earth. Socialism is the state taking and trusting them to redistribute what they have taken from you fairly to others. Acts 2, though, is totally different. It is the right ordered affections and worship received by the free giving of the church or the free giving of the saints. Let me say this, Church of Life Center. 
We do not take offerings or tithes here. We never will. We receive them. We are not fundraisers that have to manipulate God's people into giving. That is not the kingdom that is buying and selling. And we are called to live in sowing and reaping. We are not fundraisers. We are to preach God's word that should lead us to live with open hands as fund releasers. It's entirely different. It is an entirely different spirit in which to live. The honor of my life is any increase in my life. Lori's life as well. We do this together. Any increase to our finances. The first fruit is holy. 10% of it belongs to God. Not nine, not eight, not seven, not six, not three. 10%. Why? Because my all is the whole. He lets me steward 100%, but 10% of his holy set apart to worship. And I know that offends some of you today, but I don't much care. I love you. I love you. But I don't much care. Why? Because here's your choice. You can follow the wisdom and the way of the world with finances, and some of it is really, really good. But if you sit with a financial advisor, oftentimes the number one thing that they'll say is pay yourself first. I'm simply saying trust God first and then pay yourself. Okay, we're going to get off that real quick. (laughs) Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We love God with our all when from love we place him before everything. Where we don't or won't, we've lost. And others lose no matter how much on earth we gain. Question. Does my worship look more like Mark 10 or Acts 2? When God convicts my heart, that is exactly what I sound like. Because the truth of it is, it looks like both. And this message is not to say you're not good enough. You are worth every drop of Christ's blood. This message is simply to say, God loves us. And from love, God requires our all. Why? Because he alone is worthy. And he alone is trustworthy. And no one and nothing else is. And so if the Holy Spirit has convicted you of anything today, in the first service, I had to walk from here to there. If the Holy Spirit has convicted you of anything, if you know that there is something between you and God that he's got his finger on, then at the end of the service, the altars are open for one thing. Sure, we can pray for you. But first, if you need to confess or repent, to make, to receive, to walk in, and to follow in the way of Jesus, 
then at most, may God give you, if you're here, the courage to walk 10 feet to 40 feet. Well, why do I have to, why do I have to leave that place? Symbolically change your posture in a place of humility. What if people see me? Who cares? Why do you want to live your life caring what people see? It's not about an audience of them. It's about responding to God. And if you're at home watching online, cut the feed, kneel down and pray, respond to the Lord, open your heart and let him move. Holy Spirit, we need a move of you. how we love you which is with our all and then how we love others which is as we learn to love ourselves the way you love us move Holy Spirit we pray Amen